A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A quiz of ice and fire. Hello there, listeners. Thanks for tuning in today for another quiz of ice and fire. I'm Lady Guinevere, and today I'm bringing you our 20th quiz. This one all about the pate prologue from A Feast for Crows. We're hoping this subject is fresh in some of your minds, as it was the focus of our most recent regular episode. And as always, we want to thank our generous patrons for their continued support, which has unlocked this bonus feature for everyone. And speaking of bonus features, if you'd like to help us by being a patron, check out our campaign at patreon.com slash Radio Westeros, where you'll see all patrons gain access to our patron-exclusive episodes. Currently one all about the Arthurian influences in A Song of Ice and Fire, one on the Varamyr prologue, speaking of prologues, and a mini-episode all about world-building in A Song of Ice and Fire, which was recorded at Ice and Fire Con this past spring as well as early access privileges and opportunities for shout-outs and other fun perks. So we always enjoy inviting guests on our quizzes, and today we have none other than Aziz from History of Westeros. Hey, Aziz, thanks for joining us. Hey there, Lady Gwen. It's good to be here. I love trivia, so this will be a lot of fun. I love getting at the, because we get to play with some of the most obscure details. The line of thinking that goes with trivia is trying to be obscure, and I like being obscure. Yes, absolutely. And we try to, uh, we try to hit on some pretty obscure, uh, you know, challenging questions. So we don't want to make it too hard for everyone. We'll have a couple of softballs, but uh, it's always fun putting these quizzes together and recording them with our friends. Uh, You and I have worked together a lot over the years, but this is your first time joining us for a quiz. And we're, yeah, this is great. It's it's a good fit for you since you do like this, uh, you know, kind of the... The obscure little details. Yeah. Uh, digging into that stuff. So uh, so what's going on with History Westeros? I know I, know I just joined you recently uh, for the wrap-up episode uh, for your uh, Game of Thrones reread. So I assume you are now 
marching on into a uh, clash of kings yeah we'll be starting a clash of kings this week as in the week that this is being recorded <laughs> so <laughs> you know uh near the end of september and then we're also releasing a house blackwood history uh, episode which of course will contain some current stuff as well but a big full look at house blackwood and we're working on some Dance of the Dragon stuff with y'all, of course. Uh, I assume you know that 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 you're working on that with me. <laughs> yes, I do. I've heard a thing or two about that. Yeah, you didn't you didn't forget uh, somehow <laughs> that we've already done a whole episode together on that. <laughs> no, no, I have not. And uh, if you listeners happen to have missed that, uh, do check out part one of our Dance of the Dragon series. That was our first regular uh, episode collaboration and we're we are working on part two so yeah um, yeah and who knows how how long that will go there's lots to talk about with that topic so all right so as far as quizzes uh you guys listening know the drill now's the time to get out your uh your pens and papers or whatever you do to keep track of your answers uh get ready to uh be challenged these are some challenging questions all taken from the pate prologue yes <laughs> <So>. <laughs> i also did an episode on the pate prologue and i consider this this quiz particularly challenging so i think that y'all should not feel too bad if you don't do well on this one i think doing well is is getting few, you know, you still get, you can get a lot of questions wrong and still consider yourself having done well, I think. So, and on the other hand, if you do get all these right, wow, very good. I would say bravo, but that's, this is old town, not bravos. Right. <laughs> Cheers to you if you get, if you score 15 here. But uh, whatever your scores are, whatever your feedback is about the quiz, you all know that we love to hear that stuff. So let us know. Uh, across social media, wherever you connect with us. And so having said all of that, it's time to get started. As always, we let guests go first. So Aziz, over to you for question one. All right. Question one. The A Feast for Crows prologue quickly introduces a love story of sorts, love story in quotes. As we soon learn, the POV character Pate has special also in quotes feelings for feelings also in quotes for a young girl named Rosie our question how old is Rosie at the start of this prologue ah so Rosie a character who exists entirely off page <laughs> yeah we never actually meet her we don't actually meet her but we do want to know how old she is (laughs) maybe we'll meet her and you know when if euron comes for old town we'll get a mention of rosie oh my god i hope rosie stays as far from euron as is absolutely humanly possible she'd be smart to keep away from euron she'd also be smart to keep away from pate but i suppose Mm. it's too late for pate she should stay away from this new version of pate as well i think she should stay away from creepy fake pate as well (laughs) just stay away from westeros if you can she should just leave (laughs) (laughs) stay off page (laughs) really (laughs) the best place place to be be. don't let george notice you too much (laughs) that's that's the person you really want to ignore you (laughs) do not attract attention from the author (laughs) 
All right. Question two has to do with a character who is introduced to us as Lazy Leo. Uh, He seems like a pretty difficult person to like, and he reveals a bullying streak as well. Uh, What disparaging name does Lazy Leo call Molander, his fellow uh, student at the Citadel, which references his club foot? So almost as soon as Leo enters the story, he's insulting Molander, and we want to know what is the name that he uses. You wonder how this could have been referenced uh, when George wrote so many versions of this chapter. You know, he wrote one, you know, as we know, he wrote one, he tried writing it from Molander's point of view, so that he would have had to write his reaction internally to this insult that he's this uh, having to deal with. So, hmm. Yeah, I know we'll never get to see it, but I'd like to see some of those alternate viewpoints for these for this uh, chapter. Yeah, that would be cool to have the like like from the the equivalent of the outtakes. Yes, yeah, right. If you were to <laughs> give us the Molander and the the Rosie, especially if there was an Alaris version, that would be yeah. Neat to have I would love that. that. Yeah, that character's got some secrets mm-hmm. that we're all really curious about. Yeah, yeah, indeed, and great segue. To the next mm-hmm. question. For <laughs> Aha. Alaris is a rather successful acolyte of the Citadel, and there's various hints to a mystery regarding his parentage. So question three is, what we want to know is, where does Alaris's mother come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I, I said their name like two or three different ways there, pronunci- pronunciating. So now I also said pronunciation except two different ways. <laughs> so, right? so I'm really just trying a lot of things out today. This <laughs> <laughs> is satisfied all the various ways that we can say Alaris, Alaris, whatever, what have you. It's free for all, George has said. We can say it how we want to. So. All right, question four, back to Pate. He's a very sad character overall. Uh, And even when things start to look up for him, they don't always turn out that well. Once he was tasked with looking after an ailing archmaster, and he had some pretty high hopes from that, but it turns out to be rather fruitless because Pate effectively just became a personal servant. Who is the ailing archmaster that Pate was called to serve? Yeah, you know, I think part of the the problem with Pate is that life started off bad for him the moment they named him Pate. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's all downhill from there. Notice that there are many Pates in Westeros, but how many of them are POV characters? Just this one, and, you know, things don't go so well for him. You don't, there's, you know, it's not the name of a hero. (laughs) <laughs> it is not the name of a hero, and doesn't he think that his mother must have hated him to have given him the name Pate? <laughs> Look at us being so namist. <laughs> he's so he's so bitter. <laughs> Poor. Yeah. We're being namists. <laughs> we are. We are not. Uh, apparently, you know what is in a what is in a rose that which we what is in a Pate <laughs> what is in a <laughs> that pate? which we call a Pate by any other name. <laughs> <laughs> all the all of our listeners named Pate are really mad right now. <laughs> Seriously, if we have any listeners named Pate, I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> but 
<laughs> I also, but please do make yourself known because that would be amazing if there really is a pate out there. Because I'm pretty dubious there are any pates out there. <laughs> I am. If there was a pate out there, especially listening to us, this um, this podcast is definitely dedicated yeah, to you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's, you know, without a doubt. You've earned it. Okay. You got a fifth question for us? Ah, yes, we do. It is... The Quill and Tankard seems like a lovely place for budding intellectuals to have a drink together and relax. What alcoholic beverage, of which Pate partakes, perhaps harvested from the surrounding area, is described as, quote, fearsomely strong? Over and over again. Yeah, even in, in the past. Yes, <laughs> in multiple point of views and in multiple timelines, it's called fearsomely strong. So um, what is it? Okay, question six. This chapter is all about Pate stealing an iron key from Archmaester Walgrave. However, Pate has already been wrongfully accused of theft in the past, which Maester at some point made this accusation against Pate. I, I want to say, look, that we mentioned this person on the live stream Game of Thrones. Ooh, yeah, we did. Wrap up yesterday. Ever so briefly, but just I'm just we threw that out there. He's pretty, obs yeah. he's pretty obscure. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> That's that might make it more challenging because people know we're talking about a Game of Thrones, and they think, oh, so that character was mentioned there, and yes uh -huh. and no, <laughs> yes and no. Hmm. Gosh, now that we've really muddied yes, the waters. This is so. <laughs> this, well. We said this was a hard quiz, so you know. Good, good luck. <laughs> yeah. So question seven. There are different colors and substances for the different links at the Citadel. These links indicate a maester has legitimate knowledge over a specific subject or discipline. Our question is, what color link equals mastery over Ravencraft? Okay. Um, this one um, might be one of the easier ones, but, you know, we'll see. Mm. We try to throw a couple of somewhat easy ones in here. So, um, you know, good luck telling us what is the uh, color of the Ravencraft link. And we'll move on to question eight. Back to our favorite drinking establishment. The Quill and Tankard is a historic building, surely with many stories to tell us. We want to know how long this inn is said to have stood on its island without closing, as per the prologue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have at least a chance of guessing that right. Because <laughs> the answer is, spoiler, a number. I mean, you can probably eliminate numbers like one and two and three and a million. So, you know, it's between three and a million. I, I'll give you a little hint. That's a good one. Good hint. They can't hint. say I never gave them anything. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and in exchange, I expect a glass of fearsomely strong blank. Mm. Something. Some fearsomely strong. <laughs> something. Yeah, just give me something fearsomely strong. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, a little bit of a segue here to the next question, sort of. Question nine. 
In his five years at the Citadel, Pate had previously attempted to earn a link for knowledge of the heavens. The man who judged his first attempt, Archmaester Valen, has a nickname that turns out to be rather apt, in Pate's opinion, and and ours. Mm. What is Valen's nickname? I'll tell you something funny about Valen. I'm sure that in our episode on this chapter, um, I pronounced it at least three different ways, so... <laughs> like Alaris, you know. Yeah. You know, have it your way, whichever, whatever makes sense to you. Uh, now, we're going to talk about another Archmaester or question you about another Archmaester. This one, with a ring and rod and mask of yellow gold, counseled Pate to leave spells and prayers to priests and septons and bend your wits to learning truths a man can trust in. Who is the Archmaester whose ring and rod and mask are of yellow gold? Mm. Mm. (laughs) Good question. It is a good question. (laughs) It wasn't staring me in the face. I I don't know, guys. Yeah, I I don't know if I would have known this one. Yeah. I hope that doesn't uh, make you feel... Like your chances are worse, or but hopefully it does make you feel good if you do know the answer. If you know the answer, please shout it out to us. Definitely, <laughs> you got that one right. Okay, I think it's time for question eleven. Marwin the Mage is, in a way, in many ways, perhaps a rebel within the Citadel, and doesn't follow the flock whom he refers to as gray sheep. We hear from Leo Tyrell that the mage's interest in magic has paid off, and there's a glass candle illuminating his chambers. There are said to be four glass candles at the Citadel, and three of them are black. What color is the fourth? Ah, another color question I see. Color question, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm, That's good, that's good. Your odds of guessing this one are in a shorter range than between three and one million. Definitely much smaller than that. Uh, Good luck. Uh, And here's question 12 for you. Uh, We're back to the eternally open watering hole, the Quill and Tankard. It rests upon an island and has a torchlit terrace. We imagine the views from that terrace are quite beautiful and the surrounding river must only add to the ambiance. The question is, what is that river called? It's an old river, isn't it? An old, old river. Old town, of course, would be next to an old river. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. So, I actually found this... uh, There's more than one river in in that region, so, you know... Yeah, mm. it's true. Uh, another question is, is this a fearsomely strong river? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and what color, what color is, is this it? River? No. <laughs> And what is this river's nickname? <laughs> and its specialty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And who is its mother? <laughs> These are a lot of questions mm. about a river, but uh, whatever yes. information you have, please give it to us. Or being thorough like the Archmaesters would be. (laughs) We ask all the questions. (laughs) For example, this next one, which is, 
Novices come from far and wide to study at the Citadel. We're not given much background information about Pate's previous life, but we are told where he came from. So question 13 is, which of the major regions in Westeros did Pate hail from? Huh. And here, this is kind of like colors. You basically have, um, uh, you have eight options. Yeah. Right? That's true. So, Very true, you yeah. Know, pick it's, one. Uh, or maybe you know. I mean, it does say in the true. chapter. We mentioned it in our episode. So... Maybe yeah, I recommend remember. not guessing if you know the answer. I recommend <laughs> giving the answer. Actually yeah. give the correct answer if you happen to know that. Another, that's also advice straight from the Archmasters. Yes. Yeah. If you're being quizzed on something uh, by, you know, Valen, uh, <laughs> give him the right answer. Fearsomely strong, Valen. Fearsomely strong. Yes. Okay. So I guess that uh, brings us to question 14, which is, uh, <laughs> this is an evil question. I'm just going to tell you that right off the bat. The day after the prologue, Archmaester Ebros was due to give a speech at the Citadel. Armin the Acolyte, who is a dedicated student, seems to be quite eager to be there on time for this speech. And that's the reason why he kind of <laughs> rustles all of his fellows out of the quill and tankard when the uh, night grows very old. Uh, the question, folks, is what is the subject of Ebros's uh, lecture that he's going to be giving the day after the prologue? Mm, and is it fearsomely strong? Yeah. Mm, mm, probably. It wouldn't be Probably. an important subject if it was yeah. if it was pitifully weak. <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> Hopefully not. That might have some, uh, you know, might have some ill omens. Uh, do you remember what Archmaester Ebros' specialty is? Um, that might help a that little. That might help you figure this out, but probably, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> yep, that's another tough one. That's another tough oh, one. Good luck. You best know this prologue well <laughs> to get those ones. But this last one, perhaps not quite as hard as some of the others. I'd say it's in the easier portion of these questions, but your mileage may vary. And it's the final question, number 15. Pate seems to die at the end of the prologue. So while the question may be easy, uh, Pate's situation, not so much. And he seems to die at the hands of the mysterious alchemist. And his last thought is of Rosie. Then, curiously, we see Pate again in the follow-up Citadel chapter in Sam's POV, which ends A Feast for Crows. In that very last line of the book, Pate version 2 introduces himself saying, I'm Pate, like the blank. And he doesn't say blank. That's your job to fill in the blank. <laughs> so we've eliminated one possible nickname. His name is not the like the blank. It's not that. So it could be anything else. Yeah. Anything else, really. Uh, so um, your job is to tell us what that thing is. <laughs> we can tell you that and it's not a river <laughs> it's not Nor a is it an Pate, like the archmaster so. 
<laughs> he wishes. <laughs> Probably not. Poor Pate. And I doubt in the whole history of Arch there's ever been one named Pate. Um, although it would be just like George to turn around and give us an Archmaester Pate in some obscure history. Uh, anyways, that was the 15th question. And we are going to take a, a brief break. And then we'll be back with your answers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we are back and we are going to run through these 15 questions and give you the answers. So it is the moment of truth. Let's see how y'all did. Uh, So over to you, Z's, for answer number one. The answer to how old is Rosie at the start well, and throughout the prologue, her age doesn't change, I don't think. Maybe she has her birthday during the chapter, but as far as we know, she doesn't. So the answer is 15. Rosie is 15. Yes, she is 15. Uh, we have a quote here where it, it tells us that her mother, Emma, was the oldest of the serving wenches at the Quill and Tankard, 40 if she was a day. Can you imagine? Still pretty in a fleshy sort of way. Rosie was her daughter, 15 and freshly flowered. Emma had decreed that Rosie's maidenhead would cost a golden dragon. And it is that, which is the the detail that is driving Pate through this entire chapter. He wants that dragon. He wants that dragon. Well, he... What he really wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's mm. what the dragon is going to get. He has, he, he, quote, feelings, yes. He has feelings of special sort. He's he's kind of a, I mean, you know, he wants, he wants Rosie's maidenhead. But really, <laughs> he wants to just whisk her away from all that as well. You know, That's he true. He has these cute little fantasies about traveling the world with her on their donkey using all his vast skills to yeah <laughs> oh pate oh pate i'm so sorry honey yes <laughs> oh, god <laughs> all right answer two uh the question was 
about Lazy Leo, who of course is Lazy Leo Tyrell, we wanted to know what is the disparaging name that he uses for Molander, which is uh, in reference to Molander's clubfoot. Look at that. I said Molander two different ways (laughs) in one sentence. Um, Mol- and Molander. The... <laughs> Molander. Like Zoolander. Molander. Mo- exactly. Molander. <laughs> AKA Hopfrog, if you're Leo Tyrell. So uh, that's the name, Hopfrog. That's one of Leo's more creative names, I think, you know. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't usually reach very far. I mean, you know. Yeah, he's not very creative. I mean, he just calls Sam like what some sort of whale. Like, I'm, you could definitely do better than that. I mean, he is lazy, Leo. Maybe so. that's why he's lazy. I mean, he calls pay, you know, all things to do with pigs, you know. So I, I don't know. It's a uh, maybe that's his laziness. He just is uh, intellectually lazy, and we did wonder about that. So, well. I don't know. If you guys have ideas why Leo Tyrell is lazy, let us know. Other than that. (laughs) (laughs) Lazy Leo was slouching by the foot of the old plank bridge draped in satin striped in green and gold with a black silk half cape pinned to his shoulder by a rose of jade. So the old slouching, I guess that's what George is is trying to throw something in there. (laughs) The good characterization. Yes. Very good. Okay, so the third question was, where does Alaris' mother come from? And the answer is the Summer Islands. She has um, some of that darker skin tone. The Summer Islanders are very dark in, in skin tone. And we have a quote here. It had been Lazy Leo who dubbed Alaris the Sphinx. A Sphinx is a bit of this, a bit of that, a human face, the body of a lion, the wings of a hawk. Alaris was the same. His father was a Dornishman, his mother a black-skinned Summer Islander. Although, I don't know, I don't. Alaris doesn't actually have the body of a lion and the wings of a hawk, but... Oh, you'd think that would have been mentioned. I mean, yeah. Pate isn't the most observant guy, but probably, he probably would have seen that. <laughs> yeah, he probably would have. So this Alaris was the same statement is a bit misleading <laughs> yeah we're using <laughs> On the same face of it. pretty loosely here hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah he's he's it's more of yeah it's more <laughs> of a metaphor but um okay so uh that was hopefully one of the easier questions um so we hope you got that one question four had to do with the archmaster that Pate had gone to work for, you know, he had initially high hopes that he was going to get his uh, ring for Ravencraft from this archmaster. He gets there and he finds out that this guy is basically, you know, senile and incontinent and Pate is just there to wait on him and Wash his small clothes. And this Archmaster is Archmaster Walgrave. Hmm. Walgrave. Yep. Sounds like a fascinating fellow. <laughs> Weeping in the library um, because he got lost. I mean, poor guy. Um, but uh, what's interesting about Walgrave here in you know we see him in this chapter or we don't really see him he's mentioned in this chapter only uh he seems to know crescent 
he gets Pate confused with someone with Crescent. Um, yeah. And he has a prince's gauntlet, mm. which is like, hey, what's what's that all about? His stuff is definitely uh, fodder for a lot of theories and, and connections that, yeah. that uh, yeah. we may or may not get any resolution on. Uh, that that collection of stuff reminds me of, um, you know, the collection of stuff um, in Sirius Black's house in Harry Potter, where they uh, okay. where they find the, they eventually, have you read Harry Potter? By being a spoiler, no. spoilerific. No, I have similar, but <laughs> right, similar though, collection <laughs> of things, and some very significant item turns out to be one of these things that's mentioned just kind of offhandedly, and then a oh, couple okay. of books later, all of a sudden you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So I know a lot of you <laughs> listeners will know that what I'm talking about. So, alrighty, um, oh, it's over to you. So number five. The one, the question that we most referred to throughout the rest of the episode, because Fearsomely Strong, it could be anything, although we do know that Fearsomely Strong in this case is a beverage, and that beverage is cider, yes. Alaris sipped his wine, the rest of them were quaffing tankards of the Fearsomely Strong cider that the Quill and Tankard was renowned for, for X number of years, which that answer's coming. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So is it Maester? It's 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 Duncan Egg that referred to the same fearsomely strong cider, right? Uh, or it's it might Aiden actually himself, be. I believe I can't recall. It, it might be. Or is it well, both of them? It's definitely Eamon talking about Duncan Egg being there with him. But I I feel like fearsomely strong is mentioned somewhere else other than just those in in Sam's POV by Eamon. Um I'll look real quick while we're sitting here. <laughs> See, we can we can do things like instantly search because fearsomely strong is pretty it's a pretty unique. So 12 times fearsomely strong appears. Well, some of these aren't is some of these searches are the word fearsome and the word strong appears. So it's not actually 12. Okay, so we have we have uh, Arya to a storm of swords. His, his fingers were hard with callous and fearsomely strong. That's a uh, that's Lem. Um, one night in the Quill and Tankard, after the second Tankard of Fearsomely Strong Cider, that's this chapter, and then again, it's in this chapter, then again in this chapter, then again, and then again, and then Maester Aemon in A Feast for Crows, Samwell 3, he says, we were drinking in the old inn where they make the Fearsomely Strong Cider. Uh, I was young again and my brother Egg was with me. Oh, yeah. Mm. And uh, the other time is... Eric the Anvil Breaker had once been a roaring giant, fearsomely strong, fiercely loyal. So he's also Eric the Cider Man. <laughs> wow. So this is Cider as strong as Eric the Anvil yeah. Breaker, which is, that's pretty strong. The Cider is still strong, though. He is no longer fearsomely strong. In fact, he's fearsomely dead, uh, according to um, the Winds of Winter chapters. <laughs> Okay, well, the sixth question had to do with the maester who had accused Pate at some point in the past of uh, stealing something from Walgrave, and he was wrong. He, Pate had not, at that point, stolen anything from Walgrave. But who was this maester? And it was Maester Gorman. 
Maester Gorman, who now sits below the Iron Mask in Walgrave's place, who is the, you know, having once accused Pate of theft, is highly unlikely to give Pate his, uh, his ring for Ravencraft, in spite of the fact that Pate probably knows enough about it at this point to legitimately earn that ring. True that, yeah. I don't think uh, I don't think that um, Gormy was a big fan. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Well, Gormy, you got a guy named Gorman. I guess we have to call him Gormy. Uh, yep. Gormy has a second name, which he left behind when he came to the Citadel. Uh, Gormy is a Tyrell. Ooh, and he was almost took. Uh, he almost took Pycelle's place. Yeah. Tywin said no to Tywin that. Tywin said no, but Tywin's not around anymore. Yeah, and so Pycelle have... isn't either. So. Neither is Pycelle, <laughs> so you have to wonder. I think Gormy might have his chance after all. Yeah, so never know. We might be seeing more of him in uh, Winds of Winter. And if you're curious about what we were, why we mentioned, why he comes up or how he comes up in book one, which we refer to when asking the question, it's because he's in the appendix. He is, yeah. of course, not mentioned anywhere in the books. There aren't even any Tyrells in A Game of Thrones, so mm-hmm. except for Loras. And uh, yeah, so that was just kind of sneaky. So mm-hmm. apologize yep. if we made the question even harder than it already was. <laughs> <laughs> but he is he's in the appendix, which means George had thought about him in A Game of Thrones. And of course, he does uh, pop up in that um in uh it, i don't know is it clash of kings or storm swords with that uh varus tells Tyrion that uh they had been on the verge of sending gorman from the citadel to take pycelle's place so oddly you know he's comes up in some pretty obscure places so we have to wonder if you know george has had him in his mind for a while it's Maybe. a Storm of Swords. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Early Storm of Swords. Yeah. So. Syrian 2, a Storm of Swords, yeah. It happened to still be on my search because I had looked for Gorman. And I was like, wait, I've already searched for this. You did this already. <laughs> there we and go. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows how important Gorman Tyrell is going to be. All right. So number seven, which is what is the link color for Ravencraft? And the answer is the same color as Raven's. Black, yes. This is the link that Pate is trying to get from Walgrave. And uh, yeah, five years, can't even get the Ravencraft link. Sorry, Pate. Too bad, Pate. I like this. Pate is listed in the appendix as a novice of little promise. Even the appendix throws shade at Pate. (laughs) Oh, poor Pate. (laughs) (laughs) He's just... Jeez. Just doomed, really. Yeah. Okay, let's get back to the quill and tankard. Let's please. do. Let's have something fearsomely <laughs> strong. We wanted to know how long the quill and tankard is said to have stood upon its island without closing. Never once has shut its doors for six hundred years, according to this prologue. Mm-hmm. Roughly the same age as House Frey, for reference. <laughs> that's a long yes. time <laughs> to not close your doors ever think about it so uh, they haven't had a red wedding in all that time either so they're also beating the phrase in that regard yeah 
Because yep. the phrase close their doors all the time. They charge you money to, you know, whereas I don't, I'm pretty sure the Quill and Tankard has no cover. Mm. Come to the Quill and Tankard, no cover. That's what we should have had our, uh, in our Quill and Tankard ad in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there we are. 600 years. I guess years. that's kind of funny because you, you need to get to it via bridge or a little boat too because of the little island it's on. <laughs> hey, this is closer to than the twins than we thought. They have really oh, got a lot a in common with the phrase, but it's way cooler. Way cooler than the twins because you, know, you have... <laughs> way cooler. And the drinks are much better. Better drinks, not sour red wine. Fearsomely strong yeah. cider. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're a couple people there that are drinking some more pricey very good wines of course being in being in the reach there's that too so yes now if a wine is not stored properly it begins to taste like something here mm. that is referred to by the answer to question 9 which is archmaster valen's nickname who pate thinks this nickname is apt and that's because he's kind of mean kind of acerbic and that name is Vinegar Valen, which, yes, no one wants their wine to taste like vinegar. No. You don't really want your Archmaesters to taste like vinegar either, but... Mm. I don't taste a lot of Archmaesters, <laughs> though, so I don't really know what the standard is, but <laughs> I don't I, I don't, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like a vinegar-tasting Archmaester. It's probably yeah. unpleasant, so... <laughs> uh, speaking of Archmaesters... Question 10 was about another one of these guys, uh, who... The guy who holds the ring and rod and mask of yellow gold, who told Pate to leave spells and prayers to the priests and septons, who was that? Um, we never meet him on page. He's just mentioned. Uh, it was Archmaster Ryum. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so with a name like that, we have to wonder. No wonder about Ryan. Yeah, what house is he from? Mm, yes, mm. is he from major house in the Reach? Yeah, is he a? Is he? Uh, does he have a descendant who was uh, Kingsguard and Hand of the King, or a descendant uh, ancestor rather? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could he be? Or is that just a coincidence? Could be another beverage reference. Red wine, right? Just. Bringing it all back home with that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we're question eleven is uh, sort of about another archmaster, isn't it? Yeah. We're yeah. We do. It's about Marwin, and we wanted to know what uh, because of Marwin and his uh, having a glass candle. The question was: There are four glass candles at the Citadel. Three of them are black, and the fourth is green like the color of wildfire or Tyrion's eye i don't know if it's his left or his right but one of them one of them is green just like yeah. that candle um yeah so you had you know your uh, your chances of getting that right were pretty solid so how many of you got green all righty we're uh, question 12 brings us back to the quill and tankard uh, as we mentioned, it rests upon an island in the middle of a river. And this question asked you, what is that river called? And the river is the Honeywine. It's all about kind of wine and beverages and 
this all these names from the reach are very uh evocative of of their kind of what the vibe they have going on there so it makes you want to take a drink out of that river like that sounds like a delicious river it mm. does sound like a delicious river river <laughs> honey wine but now we got people, according to this quote, dragging his club foot, Molander took a short hop, whirled, and whipped the apple sidearm into the mist that hung above the honeymoon. So it's also got apple flavoring in it. So, yeah, that's a really, it is quite a tasty river. Cider, kind of a cidery flavor. Delicate, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so question 13 was about Pay's background and what region he hails from. And it was not a trick question. He's not from the reach. So you could at least narrow it down a bit. The answer is the Westerlands. He is, comes from the same region as Picel, uh, or well, Picel is from the reach, rather. The same region that Picel is loyal to, rather, I should say. And uh, so many other interesting characters. But uh, Pate is not one of those. He's just from the Westerlands. He's maybe not so interesting. <laughs> he's not. While we're piling on Pate, let's also say he's not interesting. <laughs> he is a novice of very little promise. I mean. No. The things around him, very interesting. Things, but himself, mm, He's not yeah. so much. Um, actually, if you read the chapter, you you know, he has kind of a one-track mind. Um, yeah. He Rosie really yeah. only thinks about Rosie. <laughs> so, yeah. Poor kid. All righty. Question uh, 14 brings us back to, guess what? Archmaesters. And what you do after a long day of fearsomely strong cider or honey wine or any beverage that you've drank a lot of, even vinegar, well. It all comes down to more liquid. What was the subject of Archmaester Ebros's speech that uh, all these uh, novices and acolytes had to get to bed and get some sleep so that they could be on time for this speech? It was a very important speech about the properties of urine. Mm. Yeah, Mayan, not your urine. No, your Mayan. Your they see now. I'm worried that some of this ends up in the honey wine, and maybe it's not such a tasty river after all. Hmm. Yeah, I might want to stay away from the honey, maybe maybe <laughs> downriver of certain places. I don't know. Yeah, upriver from the quill and tankard is probably maybe okay. Probably preferable. <laughs> uh, it is definitely implied in their discussion about this uh, lecture that they're all eagerly looking forward to that uh, tasting of the urine is going to be involved. So, um, you know, I think Leo Tyrell is going to skip it yeah. <laughs> from the sounds of like, things. <laughs> now there's, now there's a beverage I would less I'd rather have vinegar, uh, a case. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we would, Definitely I would give me the vinegar, take vinegar over, over, uh, urine, uh, lazy Leo <laughs> Tyrell says myself, I prefer the taste of Arbor gold. So, <laughs> Yeah, kinda, that's a, that's kind of an easy choice there. Kind of yeah. with him. So. Arbor Gold, urine, uh, yeah. Oh, Molander, though, owns him. <laughs> the choice is piss or you, I'll drink piss. Ooh, so we were talking about what Archmaster's taste like, so we're now we're talking about what Leo Tyrell tastes like. Yeah. And, um, worse than piss, apparently. Worse so. than piss. So. It's because of the laziness. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> The last question, which is also the last two words of the entire book. 
uh, right? Or yeah. is there another line? Yes, yeah, the actual last two words of the entire. So the, yeah. uh, so the it's the nickname, it's the sentence, or the rather the phrase that goes, "I'm Pate, like the blank," and the blank is Pig Boy. Yes, which is kind of like, damn, Pate. Yeah, Pate is named after the Pig Boy. So when I was saying that his parents cursed him from the start, I you know there's. Mm. I wasn't I wasn't just saying that. It's it seems to be like naming your kid uh I don't know. Um Pig Boy. Like if you actually named your kid Pig Boy. Mm, yes. Uh, it would be similar to It would be similar. Mm. How about Pigpen? Remember the kid from Charlie Brown? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The clouded I, dirt around. I get, <laughs> get the sense that Pate was kind of dirty too. Yeah. yeah. Uh so Pate like the Pig Boy and that's actually Kind of a hint to us that this Pate, fake Pate, or Pate V2, isn't really <laughs> the original Pate, because the original Pate really hated being called Pate, and he was not very likely to go ahead and introduce himself as Pate the Pig Boy. So Yeah, he's just volunteering, and he's like, yep, I'm the Pig Boy. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm the one you've heard about. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> red flag right there, uh, as far as the identity of this person. Uh that was it. That was our 15th answer. Uh, how did you all do? Uh, we definitely want to know. Aziz, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was fun and difficult. And fe- it was a fearsomely strong quiz. Fearsomely strong quiz, indeed. We hope you all enjoyed it uh, as much as we did. Uh, again, let us know. Shout out to us your scores. Uh, thanks for playing. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, you already told us kind of what's, what's on your agenda, but feel free to tell us again what's going on, uh, update us on your, your schedule and such. And, uh, obviously where to find you. Yeah. Check out, uh, history of Westeros on Facebook. It's just history of Westeros podcast. And that's where you can find the schedule for our reread. It'll be going up within a couple days of this recording. And, uh, so we'll, um, you can follow us on Twitter to keep up with us in, in other ways. But, uh, other than that, yeah, I think, um, we're easy to find and we hope you tune in to our upcoming content. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, check out the Facebook. Your Facebook group is very active. It's a great place for discussion with like-minded folks uh, and a good place to keep up on what you have going on. So, yeah. 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 Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thanks again. And I will see you all soon with another regular episode. And bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.